Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and this is episode number 512. Today's show is brought to you by PillPack by Amazon Pharmacy. This is a great show today with a great guest. Our guest is author Michael Jauer, whose new book, Sensitive Soul, The Unseen Role of Emotion in Extraordinary States, is getting rave reviews online. We'll be hearing from Michael Jauer and he'll be reading from Sensitive Soul, as well as be here to answer all of our questions. But let me pique your interest with a quick introduction of Michael Jauer. Michael Jauer is a Washington, D.C.-based writer, speaker, and researcher. His expertise is the nexus of personality development, body, mind, emotion, and spirituality. Michael Jauer is author of three books, the latest, Sensitive Soul, which we'll be discussing today and Michael Jauer will be reading from in just a moment. Michael Jauer authored articles and papers which have appeared in Frontiers in Psychology, the Journal of Interpersonal Neurobiology, Science and Consciousness Explore, and his feature articles appear in Psychology Today and Scientific American. We'll hear from Michael Jauer about deja vu, apparitions, savantism, giftedness, and out-of-body experiences. So, wonder once more. We'll be able to figure it all out today, what this big global plan is all about and our place in it. Of course, Michael Jauer will have a sense of skeptical enthusiasm towards everything, and it'll be tempered by serious scrutiny. So let's hear from Michael Jauer. It's been said that we live in two worlds. One is our inner world, which revolves around feelings, memories, dreams, reflections, longings, regrets, aspirations, and perhaps the most ineffable of all, our spirituality. The other is the outer world of time, space, and material things. Try as we might, we cannot fully convey the former to anyone else, even to our mate or our closest friend. The outer world, in contrast, is objectively describable and subject to scientific investigation. My aim with Sensitive Soul is to bridge these two worlds, to explain the one to the other in terms each can understand. I'm convinced that one's interior, deeply felt spiritual reality, while ultimately intangible, draws upon a physical, bodily, experiential core that can be articulated scientifically. Likewise, I believe that science needs to understand that what can't be measured, made manifest, or even wholly defined, is nonetheless deserving of attention. In fact, the more perplexing, astounding, or uncanny a perception is, the more it deserves scrutiny. If such experiences are happening to enough people, perhaps a fundamental form of human functioning is being overlooked. I will have succeeded in my endeavors if this book impels you to wonder once more. None of us, as far as we know, wills herself or himself into the world. We find ourselves here trying to figure out what it's all about and what our place in it is. The ideal is not to become inured to life's essential wonderment. Better take a fresh look at the people, the animals, and the phenomena around us. What is called for is a sense of skeptical enthusiasm where novel ways of looking at things, unconventional ideas, and thoughtful provocation are all welcomed, yet tempered by serious scrutiny. As one such enthusiast has written, revel in the mystery and drink in the unknown. It is where science and wonder meet. That, of course, is our guest today, 
author of the new book, Sensitive Soul, Michael Jower, reading a passage of interest from Sensitive Soul, The Unseen Role of Emotion in Extraordinary States. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, author Michael Jower. Mike Jower, welcome to the program. Paul, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure talking to you too, Mike. I... Uh, First of all, just want to reach out and, and say Happy New Year. Thank you for reaching out to me. I hope you and your family are doing well and practicing, you know, smart social distancing and everybody's healthy and well. Yes, yes, so far so well. Uh, same wishes for you and yours, and hopefully 2021 will be uh, a little bit better than 2020. Yeah, I think it, it uh, is going to be as well. So thank you again for your time. You've written this wonderful book. It uh, is, it, of course, it's titled Sensitive Soul, The Unseen Role of Emotion in Extraordinary States. We're going to put links up to where our audience can find out more information about the book by Michael Jower. But Michael Jower, I wonder if we could just start right right here at the very beginning. And, and I wonder if you just explain the title, please. What What is an extraordinary state? Sure. Well, um, I joke that uh, extraordinary states would be Nebraska, Louisiana, and Rhode Island. <laughs> but uh, in point of fact, well, what, I, what I really mean is a whole a range of conditions and capacities that um, science and the humanities haven't explained fully, um, but which, in my view, uh, Paul, all depend on the power of emotion, and which I describe in the book. And this includes uh, migraine headache, phantom pain, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, and deja vu, uh, and then conditions like uh, autism, savantism, synesthesia, which is overlapping senses like uh, uh, tasting a shape or feeling the color, um, the phenomenon of child prodigies, and the apparent remembrance of someone else's life. Um, all of these are extraordinary, um, and, and I, I don't think they can be explained without a better understanding of sensitivity, our innate um, sentience, our human sentience, and how emotion works in the mind and the body. Thank you for that. I, As I say, I really enjoyed the book. I uh, am just going to encourage uh, our audience to, to check this out. There's just some wonderful you know, subjects that you touch on, and, and you mention a couple of them. You, you talk a little bit about deja vu. You talk about this idea of mirror senses. There's this really interesting story about little man and and the pilot and and uh, some of these situations that occur out of the blue perhaps reincarnation some some of these intense memories which in interestingly fade by about the age of six and so i wonder if you'd tell us that story because i think it's a good one and maybe describe deja vu and mirror senses so long question there but but just some really interesting subjects right out of the gate that i think our audience will just become immediately interested in right so uh, let me start with with deja vu, which is mm -hmm. something that I guess most of us are familiar with, mm -hmm. and uh, it, it's a puzzlement. I mean, a lot of people seem to have it, and and there's no one accepted, fully accepted explanation for it. There are a lot of different uh, plausible possibilities, but they all seem, in my estimation, to leave something out, which is feeling. Um, and the explanation that I offer uh, in the book suggests that deja vu um, occurs when, when something happens that reminds you of something else, but that something else is a memory that's unpleasant or you'd rather not face. And so instead of accessing the whole memory, you just get a fragment of it before your subconscious basically shuts it down. That's, that's my take on it. 
Um, mirror senses um, refers to uh, the capacity that some people have, especially synesthetes, people with overlapping senses. Um, quite a few of them have uh, the capacity to sense in their own body what somebody else is evidently feeling, which sounds just something out of sci-fi, but it, it actually is true. And it's right now, Paul, the subject of a lot of scientific scrutiny. Um, synesthesia itself has been popular uh, to study over the last few years, and now mirror senses is really coming to the fore. And what's cool about it is that um, the people, and I've spoken to some of them that, that have mirror senses, um, they're especially sensitive to pain. And it's not just pain um, on someone else's face, you know, a twinge or a grimace, uh, something drops in their foot in front of them. It can even be um, simulated sensations in a, in a movie or on television. So as long as they're seeing something, um, it doesn't matter if it's actually happening in front of them in point of fact, um, they, they feel that. And um, it's, it's hard to explain, except that um, uh, people with mirror senses are obviously highly empathic and they're highly sensitive. And those are the people that I really delve into trying to explain a bit more in the book. Um, when you talked about um, uh, remembrances of, of a previous life, you're absolutely right. There's a guy down at University of Virginia by the name of Jim Tucker who's been uh, studying this phenomenon for uh, 25, 30 years. And um, his predecessor and his teacher was named Ian Stevenson, who's just legendary for having gone off to India and Burma and places mostly in Asia um, where they take reincarnation, the idea of it, um, seriously. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's not sort of um, just... Um, rolled aside or hidden, uh, so it's easier to find people and families that have had these experiences and are willing to talk about them. Swept under the rug—that's the term I was looking for. So, um, so um, Jim Tucker and 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 others um, have done an incredible job following in Ian Stevenson's footsteps of documenting these cases. And there's a, there's a kid named um, James Leininger um, who um, I think around the age of two. Uh, he's, he started having a very visceral, intense interest in airplanes and model airplanes and toy airplanes. And he would um, be very vigorous with them, smashing them into the living room table and saying things like airplane on fire, little man can't get out, which obviously astounded and troubled his parents. Um, this is sort of a mainstream Christian home and they weren't thinking about reincarnation or a previous life or anything. They were just baffled and concerned by this, and it kept up for a couple of years, and um, they they ultimately determined, they did some research, that um, the little man uh, was the nickname of a guy, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the sailor, but he was on um, the USS Natoma Bay, which is a, a, a mini aircraft carrier, smaller uh, class of aircraft carrier, that was in service in the Pacific during World War II and participated I believe it, at, uh, it was either Iwo Jima or Okinawa. And this guy, little man, was killed in an airplane that was hit by fire and crashed immediately. He had no opportunity to escape. Um, and this kid, you know, at, at a very small age, basically had PTSD. And they were able to, um, to, to trace uh, details of this story that checked out. Uh, and then, uh, as you said, um, 
kids that have these perceptions, they tend to fade and they get on with their lives. And the big question is, is this reincarnation or, you know, how could they possibly have these perceptions? And it's an open question, but uh, my take on it is that it all revolves around emotion, the, the significance of the, the strong emotion that James Leininger had, the fear uh, that he conveyed um, from these apparent memories, and what was triggering um, the memories themselves. What happened to Little Man when he was in that plane? Um, obviously, um, you know, it was a life or death situation, and he was trapped. He couldn't get out. And so my concern is with the power of those feelings, the energy of those feelings. Can they transcend the physical body and our, our lifetime? Uh, can they somehow be uh, conveyed uh, to someone else down the line somewhere who's a three-year-old kid and doesn't know anything different? I, I just think this is a fascinating subject, Mike Jawar. You, you refer to, the, to PTSD and you've done some really excellent research in, in your new book. The one thing that jumped out at me, too, was this idea of thick versus thin boundaries in kind of the development of um, certain subtypes of, of PTSD. And so I wonder if you'd tell us a little bit about what this means, the thick versus thin boundaries, give us kind of a lay sense as to what the research tells you and how that plays a role in these emotions that we have. Yeah, this is uh, probably the most interesting thing that I learned in researching the book. Uh, now, I, I knew about the, the boundary framework, uh, and, and that uh, was developed by a guy named Ernest Hartman, um, who unfortunately died a few years ago. But um, Ernest and I were friends. We got to know one another, and I, I think his, his framework is terrific. He was at Tufts University and a psychiatrist who was very interested in people with nightmares and how they differed from people who just had a restful night's sleep. And he came up with this concept of a spectrum of basically thin-skinned people to thick-skinned people. And he called them thin-boundary people and thick-boundary people. And, and most people, you know, it's like a bell curve kind of thing. Every, you know, most people are, are somewhere in between. But there are folks on the extremes. And the extreme thin-boundary people uh, were really his, uh, his subjects who had nightmares. So um, they're, um, they're people who are uh, very interested in emotion. Um, they're highly reactive. Feelings mean a great deal to them. Uh, memories from childhood, they, they ruminate on things, they'll remember things for a long time, they'll dream very vividly and in color, and, and they're just very sensitive, kind of vulnerable, open-minded people. So that's on the thin side of the spectrum. The thick side are people who are more stolid, um, who may not be very conversant with their feeling, feelings, they're more interested in, in thoughts and figuring things out than, than delving into the feeling aspect of life. They also tend to be um, highly organized. Um, they're very precise and put things into categories. They're not as apt to see shades of gray or overlaps um, as the thin boundary people are. So they're, they're less highly reactive um, in, in some. So these differences translate into, over to PTSD um, in, in a, a neat kind of neat way, which I hadn't anticipated, but I started studying the literature over the past 10 years or so about PTSD. And I found that there are, there's a, two types of PTSD. The first type is the one that most people are familiar with, the sort of flashbulb memory that, you know, a, a car backfires and, and that person who was a soldier in Iraq is sort of back there on the battlefield with the smell of napalm and, you know, just all the sights and sounds and fears that were coursing through him at the time. Um, 
that's the, the more common type of PTSD uh, that affects uh, 70 to 80% of people that, that have PTSD. But there is another type, which is a more dissociative type. Dissociation is where you sort of um, disregard your feelings. It's an automatic process. You, you sort of put your feelings on hold or they go underground. And that same prompt with a, a, a thick boundary person, that's my contention anyway, it's a thick boundary person, they're not going to necessarily uh, know even what triggered the feelings. The feelings are more of uh, walking through a soup or a fog, trying to make your way through uh, something that doesn't feel right, but you're not quite sure what it is. So it's kind of the opposite of the very intense um, particular kinds of imagery that um, that are dominate with with the uh, uh, the more overt flashbulb form of PTSD, but this is other kind that affects anywhere from fifteen to thirty percent of people, and uh, there's no uh, direct experimental evidence. But I would love to be able to uh, identify more more clearly if if in fact the the thin boundary type of person is the one more apt to have the dissociative uh, dissociative form of PTSD, and the thin boundary uh, folks are the ones who are more likely to have the uh, the typical uh, flashbulb kind of PTSD. Hi, it's Paul. I want to share a quick message from today's sponsor, Amazon Pharmacy. You know, many of us in the Not Old Better Show audience are taking multiple medications to stay healthy and vital. Amazon Pharmacy gives you a great sense of relief because you don't have to consider the ordering, the waiting in line, the delivery of your important prescription medications because they come directly to your door. It is super easy. You can have your doctor's office send your next prescription straight to Amazon Pharmacy. Then Amazon Pharmacy sorts out your meds by day and time for your ease of digestion and consumption. And any other pharmacy items like inhalers, etc., are available there at Amazon Pharmacy too. You can use your insurance. Amazon Pharmacy works with most nationwide insurance plans. Amazon Prime members get free two-day delivery and save on prescription medication when paying without insurance. Through my existing Amazon Prime account, I signed up for Amazon Pharmacy, which, of course, was very easy, simple, yet thorough, because they asked me about any health issues, what I might be allergic to, any vitamins I take, etc., etc. And then Amazon Pharmacy reached out to my primary care physician to coordinate all of that. You know, I shop on Amazon all the time, and I love the Amazon system, how easy it is to use. There's plenty of delivery options. They always give me updates as to where my delivery is in terms of tracking. You know, I'm just familiar with Amazon, and now... I'm getting familiar with Amazon Pharmacy. It's just that I cherish and value the option of not waiting in line at the pharmacy. This is just plain safer for us right now and in the future. One less errand to run, and the medications arrive safely right at our doorstep. I even use my flexible spending account, my HSA, my health savings account when purchasing, and I get even greater savings. Amazon Prime members can save on prescription medications when not using insurance and get free two-day delivery. Learn more at Amazon.com slash NotOldBetterRx. We're going to have all of this in the show notes, but that's Amazon, A-M-A-Z-O-N dot com slash NotOldBetterRx. Amazon.com slash NotOldBetterRx. 
Thanks, everybody. And now back to author of the new book, Sensitive Soul, Michael Jauer. We are with author Michael Jauer. Michael Jauer has written the new book, Sensitive Soul, The Unseen Role of Emotion in Extraordinary States. The book really is is excellent. It, it reveals this role of emotion, um, uh, talks a, a great deal about autism and savantism and synesthesia, deja vu even. The book also discusses the subject of, of trauma, and, and trauma is discussed quite a, quite a bit in the book. And I wonder if you'd tell us a little bit about trauma as it relates to PTSD and how this plays a real role differently in people's lives with regards to sensitivity. Yes, and, and uh, it just occurs to me, Paul, that if, if folks are interested to know where they are on the boundary spectrum, uh, there, mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm, a website yeah. that we created uh, called youremotionaltype.com. Uh, and if someone goes there, um, they'll immediately see uh, a quiz, which is a distillation of Hartman's uh, complete boundary questionnaire. It's, it's 18 questions, and it takes about 10, 15 minutes to answer the questions, and they're automatically scored. So the person comes out with a sense of, of a number from 0 to 62, where they are on the boundary spectrum. So I just wanted to mention that it's kind of interesting to see you know, where you're at at a particular point in your life. Give us a website. Ed. Give us the uh, uh, website again. Sure, it's www.youremotionaltype.com. dot mm-hmm. Great. We will put up links to that too from Michael Jower. But thank you. That's that's great suggestion. Uh, so about trauma, uh, trauma is a really interesting subject because what's traumatic for one person isn't necessarily traumatic for somebody else. So that's something that might get me all riled up. Uh, you might slough off or be kind of blasé about. So um, it, it really depends on our emotional makeup, what we're sensitive to, uh, and how much uh, something affects us. Uh, and, and that, you might say, is, is how we're wired. Um, it, it's, a, it's a combination, obviously, of nature and nurture, and that's something that I go into um, in the book. Um, but uh, trauma seems to be... Uh, central to at least some of the conditions that, um, that I document and explain just because um, the intensity of the emotion and the tendency for trauma to, um, to give way to dissociation. So there's an example actually in my, in my first book uh, called The Spiritual Anatomy of Emotion. Um, and I should say that dissociation is, uh, is an everyday thing. Um, it's, it's our automatic tendency to tune out feelings. It's not just in response to trauma. We actually do it all the time to a greater or lesser extent. If, if I get involved in something absorbing, if I'm reading a book or watching some sort of you know, play or a movie, the time could just fly. And so what seemed like, like 15 minutes was actually an hour and a half. So uh, at those times, we're not aware of how we're feeling because we're, we're, we're extremely distracted. We're into whatever... Uh, the stimulus is, but sometimes dissociation isn't so common, and it has these big, intense consequences. Um, in in that first book, I describe a woman whose child got hit by a car, and what she heard, what she saw, just sickened her. Uh, she was overcome by shock and dread, as you might well imagine. Uh, and and in recounting what happened to her, she said, "I began to feel clammy and numb." And when she went to the hospital. She basically was a zombie, and and that's the kind of dissociation that overtakes us in extremely stressful situations. Um, the conditions under which a person dissociates 
um, the extent to which you might say the normal way we feel is is overthrown. That plays a role, uh, in, in my estimation, in everything from PTSD, migraine headache, deja vu, to chronic fatigue syndrome, chronic pain, irritable bowel syndrome, allergies, skin conditions, ulcer, hypertension, a whole range of health problems. And this is what um, I explored um, in my second book with Dr. Mark McCosey called Your Emotional Type, uh, is the health ramifications of feelings that go underground, you might say. And a lot of that is, um, is conditioned by trauma and the sensitivity, the sensitivity of the person and their emotional makeup to, you know, will, will determine what, what is potentially traumatic. Uh, Mike Jauer, author of the wonderful new book, Sensitive Soul, The Unseen Role of Emotion in Extraordinary States. We really appreciate your time today. I, I just really have one kind of final question for you. I wonder if you'd tell us how we can apply some of these concepts to maybe, you know, live a more enjoyable life. Should we should we be more sensitive, less sensitive? What is the soul really telling it's us? It's a great question, Paul, and I've written a little bit about this, or at least presented my answer in an article I did for scientificamerican.com about a year and a half ago. And I, um, I look around at what's happening um, in our society this week when we're, when we're speaking. I think tomorrow Congress is supposed to officially accept the, uh, the results of the Electoral College. And what's going on is completely driven by partisan politics, which means ambition, jealousy, petulance, resentment, hostility, you name it. Um, so I think uh, a major takeaway of my work is that is to understand that we are fundamentally motivated by feelings. You know, people like to think of ourselves as rational animals, and we are. But you know, you open any newspaper, magazine, go on any news site, and you'll see just how irrational we are. Um, this is also, by the way, the the reason that the humor is so funny because we we laugh at other people's uh, irrationality. Um, but we have to realize that we're, we're all sort of this way. So it may not be the recipe for a more um, enjoyable life, but I think we're better off uh, knowing as fully as possible who we are as human beings and what we're capable of. And we need to understand that other people may legitimately have very different perceptions than we do politically and otherwise. You know, their upbringing is different. Their expectations are different. Their boundary type is different. So we all have to try in this ever more interconnected world to live together. So I would say, number one, um, respect your feelings and the validity, so the baseline validity of other people's feelings, even though you may disagree sharply with them. And number two, uh, listen to what they're saying. Um, take a moment, because even if it doesn't make sense to you, uh, my experience has been that many of the, you know, the sensitive people that I've interviewed over the years that have taken my survey and, and shared their stories with me, they've been belittled, they've been put down, they've been told their impressions are unfounded or just wrong, and yet they have those perceptions, they don't go away. You know, they would wish at times to be less sensitive, uh, but there they are. So um, my takeaway is, is ultimately not, not kumbaya in this highly charged society, um, not just live and let live, but let's be a little more understanding of where our fellow human beings are coming from and that might, might be the ticket to, uh, to a less contentious and overall happier life. Mike Jauer, thank you for that. And thank you for your time today for being so generous. Again, the book is Sensitive Soul, The Unseen Role of Emotion in Extraordinary States. As I say, we're going to put up links to where you can find out more information about Mike Jauer, his new book. 
Um, in particular, I'm really interested in um, this link, uh, youremotionaltype.com. We're going to put links up to that, too, where people can actually take Mike Jower's uh, test about finding their various emotional boundaries about their sensitive soul. So, Mike Jawar, Happy New Year to you. Thank you for your time today. And and please come back. This seems like uh, work that you're going to be doing on an ongoing basis. And if, if that's so, we'd love to hear more. It's taken on a life of its own, Paul. So <laughs> I've enjoyed speaking with you and would be happy to do it again. My thanks to Michael Jawar, author of the new book, Sensitive Soul, The Unseen Role of Emotion in Extraordinary States. Please check out our website for more details on Michael Jawar. My thanks as well to Pill Pack by Amazon Foxy for sponsoring today's show. And thanks to you, our wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Please, everyone, practice smart social distancing. Be well and remember, let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody.